Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble. Welcome back to the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. This is your big fight reaction regarding Artur Paterbiev's victory over Anthony Yard. And I'm joined again by Luke, who's becoming a mainstay on these reaction shows. And it's great to have you on and a different voice and a different opinion and a different interpretation. And Johnston's kind of sort of slowly handing this this side of the, the tape over to you a little bit. But it makes sense, I mean... We and you, we, we do a Sunday and we do our dark side of boxing after shows and it makes sense to kind of have this conversation and, you know, tell our listeners what we think about the fight and, and what you think about the fight. But I've also got a uh, a few little side notes that I want to go through with you in this episode and I'll leave them for the end. But the matter at hand is the fight between Artur Paterbiev and Anthony Yard that happened just last night here in the UK in London in what was, in my opinion, people might say I'm wrong, an early contender, and I know it's January, for fight of the year. Early contender for fight of the year. I think this was a fight that it lived, it over, it overachieved in what it was expected from me. I, I sort of had an expectation of this being quite a one-sided fight, but actually, Lukey, it turned out to be a competitive fight and a very interesting fight, and it taught us a lot more about... Anthony Yard's level, the questions over his level and his lack of an experience, I suppose, were answered in the course of this fight. And and for Baturbiev, it was a it was a difficult night. Uh, not maybe not so difficult in some people's minds. People might say that was just a standard Baturbiev performance, but I felt it was one of his more difficult nights against Anthony Yard. And I'm just wondering, like, what your perspective is now? The dust has settled on this fight, and what did you think of? the performance of Baturbiev and then of Anthony Yard. So going into this, I was pretty outspoken that I saw this as a skills mismatch. I've never really rated Anthony Yard that high. 
What I didn't know about Yard was his heart. And I'm going to go to the stats because I think oftentimes people say things, and I don't always trust CompuBox for giving accurate stats. There's human error. But Anthony Yard out through Baturbiev. He threw 357 punches over the course of eight rounds to better beefs 334. I think what I initially saw, the skill gap, is actually thrown shown in the stats as well. Better Beef landed 134 punches to yards 111. But when you look, uh, Baturbiev landed 84 punches to yards 75 in power shots. So I didn't expect when I looked at the numbers for those numbers to be so close. I expected to see a gap. And I think two things come into play there. Baturbiev doesn't fight all that often. So I think that plays a factor. And I think two yards heart can't be questioned because I think he rose to the moment. And this was his defining moment that he wanted to always be remembered by. And I think yard will be remembered more for the loss to better beef than any win he's had in his career. This was a fight where we needed to see whether or not his inexperience would play a factor in the fight. And I genuinely believe his inexperience was part and parcel of this fight. And what you've just done there is kind of highlighted that he threw a lot more punches but wasn't able to land as many. And Viterbiev threw less but landed more. So you do the process of elimination and you know that with Viterbiev in his fights, what he doesn't do is waste a lot of shots. And he didn't do that last night. He didn't waste a lot of shots. So whilst it seemed like he was taking more than what he normally would do, which in effect he... He did at points of the fight. What he was doing was waiting for his opportunities. And the one thing I took away from that performance last night, and I don't know if you noticed this, Luke, when watching the fight, was that what Anthony Yard was doing when he was getting sort of into the close range or into sort of maybe mid to mid to short range, he was sort of throwing the shots and it was looking like Paterbiev was backing off a little bit. But what he was actually doing, and he did it on more than one occasion, was it was like he was luring him into this false sense of security. So he was he was letting Yard come towards him, backing away to the corner. And then as soon as sort of Yard threw a punch that he knew he wasn't going to get hit with, Paterbiev then pivoted and then basically turned Anthony Yard around and got him in the corner and then unleashed a barrage of punches on him where he was getting his, his, his sort of best working, where he was really seemingly hurting Anthony Yard on in the corner and on the ropes and it was it was so smart what he was doing and I think one when you're in the crowd and you're watching these fights from a distance you can't really see the level of skill that's going on and I think what I saw watching it at home last night was that you could see what he was doing with his footwork and his movement and he didn't just do it once I think he did it about three to four times throughout the course of those eight rounds and I thought it was very clever of him to do that he made it look like he was hurting and, and when sort of Yard steps in to get into the range to throw the punches, he'd either clobber him with a counter shot and, and hurt him and bring him into the corner or he would literally just pivot around him, get him into the corner and throw that barrage of shots. I don't know if you noticed that, Luki, in the fight last night. Well, that goes back to what I was saying earlier and I hate saying that goes back to what I said earlier, that this was going to be like the wet bandits in uh, Home Alone, right? That's why I compared this to. Anthony Yard's inexperience, he would see openings like the wet bandits saw windows being open in Home Alone, walk in and walk into a trap. Yard, I don't even think it's inexperience. I just don't think his boxing, um, his way he boxes is very much power. You look at him, right? A lot of muscles, physicality. He's not a guy that's going to outthink you, right? So I think Baturbiev... For me, it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. It was just surprising to me 
how much resistance Yard was able to put up before one of those kind of traps did him in. Do you think that was a really tough fight for Baturbiev, or did it did it look tough on the outset? What what did you make of it now now the dust has settled in the fight? I think um he thinks it's a tough fight because reading the quotes after the fight, he sounded a little disappointed that he wanted to do better. I mean, honestly, I think this is the perfect storm where Bet Turbiev probably didn't care to fight Yard. It really meant nothing to him. And this was the biggest moment of Yard's life. So you had one guy who possibly wasn't that thrilled, who has fights with Callum Smith and Bivol, which to him are more meaningful and legacy impactful. And Yard with the biggest moment of his career where everyone's watching it. I think it was the perfect storm. And I think, honestly, we'll probably never see this version of Better Beave again. And we'll never see this version of Yard again. I think Better Beef will probably be a little bit better than this performance. And Yard will probably be a little bit diminished after this fight. I think that leads nicely into the the sort of conversations of the paths going forward off the back of this fight. And the Anthony Yard side of things for me, what I saw last night was that I believe he can mix it with other world-level fighters. I mean, Baturbiev, for me, is an elite-level fighter. Bivol's an elite-level fighter. Callum Smith was an elite-level fighter, but I think he needs to prove himself at light heavyweight before I can put him into that category again. But I think with someone like an Anthony Yard now, my, my issue with him has always been... He's trying to... It's like making the comparison with with UK football. So it's like a a football team in a lower league trying to jump two leagues into the main league, which is the Premier League, without going through the other leagues first. And it's like that's what Anthony Yard's done in his boxing career. You know, he started off at a certain level. He's fought domestic fighters. He's fought European-level fighters. And then he's just jumped up to this elite level, fighting an elite fighter like Baturbiev, without fighting any of the fringe contenders or former world champions around him and and for me that's what I think he needed to to be in with more of a uh, an opportunity more of a uh, an experience level to maybe have adapted slightly better in that fight and but people might just look at it and go well actually that is always going to be the best version of Yard you'll ever you'll ever get and I think that's what you were just saying there so with his career path now from this moment forward I still think his stock has risen greatly as a result of losing the fight and it sounds strange to say that but that loss for me has has kind of in a way shown that he can mix it at a world level I suppose the question is because of the way the belts are tied up at the moment will he ever get an opportunity to be a champion in the light heavyweight division or will he be able to be a fighter at that top level in the light heavyweight sure it's a terrible division um it's historically terrible there's typically just two guys who are really good He's got a personality, and I I see him being like a modern Derek Chisora at light heavyweight. Talks a lot, able to fight guys tougher than you'd expect, and I think the fans have taken to him. I mean, like if you're going to have a prospect or a guy that maybe isn't the most talented but is exciting, this is the division to have it. Because if you look right now, it's better be Bivol, and then there's a huge talent drop-off from that tier to the next guy, which is Zordo Ramirez or... Jean Pascal or Joe Smith Jr., who I'm not even sure if Joe is going to return to boxing because it's been basically over a year since he last fought and we've heard nothing about Joe. And that always seems to be a troubling sign to me when you have a former world champion who's been out of the ring, who already has a job um, that potentially thinks. But to answer your question, long winded, I think, of course, if Yard just stays in here long enough, I think he will be a world champion. Yeah, that would be 
in the case that Bivol, Viterbiev have their fights, Callum Smith's involved in the mix somewhere, and maybe when the belts, if they become fragmented again at some point, that might be the chance for him to to actually get a shot at a world title. I think with Frank Warren having a good relationship, uh, an extremely good relationship with the WBO, that's how he got this position in the first place. I think there's there's a likelihood that maybe Anthony Yard will get a chance in the next two years, maybe three years maximum. By the time Bivol Baturbiev hopefully finally happens, and uh, I think maybe Yard needs to look at taking fights with other light heavyweights in the UK again. I mean, he had a really good fight with Lyndon Arthur. He lost the first one, come back and knocked him out emphatically in the second. But you've got guys like Joshua Boazzi, who was on the Punditry team for BT Sport yesterday. And, you know, he was talking about the, 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 the potential of that fight happening in the future. And it's been spoken about over the past 12 to 18 months. And I think this is the time for it now. Like, Anthony Yaz was coming off the back of that performance. And albeit he lost the fight... You know, he's answered a few questions for, for, for many journalists out there and maybe people think actually now he can he can do something within the light heavyweight division. And you've got Buatz who's, who's crying out for a shot at a world title, but he isn't going to get it with the way the belts are at the moment. You've got Callum Smith seemingly looking like he's mandated to fight Baturbiev next. You've got Bivol looking like he's going to be moving down to super middle to challenge Canelo in a, in a really good fight. And then hopefully after that, if they both come through the fights respectively, Baturbiev and Bivol, then they're going to fight. And they're going to fight in an undisputed title fight in the light heavyweight division. So, you know, it leaves guys on the fringe like Yuzerdo Ramirez is and like your Joshua Boazzi's of the world, waiting in the wings for for a big fight. So it would make sense for Yard to take a huge domestic fight like that, especially from our perspective as UK fight fans. That's what I think we'd want to see at this stage. But I'm not just solely focused on Yard here because we need to talk about Paterbiev as well. And I just mentioned about Callum Smith being mandated by the WBC to fight for, for their title. And that seemingly looks like the fight that's going to happen for Paterbiev next before the Bivol fight. So with that in mind, based on what we've seen so far of both Smith and Bivol and Paterbiev, how how is the fight going to go down potentially between Paterbiev and Smith? Because... You know, there's a few guys in the UK, a few well-known journalists that are actually saying Smith could beat Baturbiev. As they should, you know, there's there's cause for that. But I, I don't see that one either. And I like Callum Smith, but Callum Smith is a guy that lives and dies by power. I don't think that that's the type of guy that's going to beat Better Beef, right? Because if, if power was all it took to beat Better Beef, why didn't Anthony Yard beat him? Because he looked physically bigger. He had all the sexy muscles. He's younger. That obviously wasn't enough. Um, Calvin Smith has longer reach, good right hand, devastating. He's probably like the most fun fighter when he fights guys who aren't like the very best of the division because he brutally knocks them out. But I just think with Callum Smith, it's going to be a mentality thing. Does he have that dog in him? Because Better Beef's got the dog. I think that it's really going to come down to someone who's not going to want to do what better beef does which is allow him to kind of move back throw power shots kind of snipe and have you come to him the guy that beats better beef is going to be a guy like gavazdik or one of those type of guys who moves and picks his spot smartly so i mean as they should pick him but i wouldn't bet my house on it Bivol is the fighter I want to see face him. I mean, I seen a great uh, comparison on Twitter today and I retweeted it on my uh, BTR boxing account and it was it was a picture that someone's put together and it was um 
It was Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator from Terminator 2 and Robert Patrick's version of a Terminator from Terminator 2. And they were aptly named Peterbiev and Bivol. And I thought, you know, that is kind of how I see these two guys. They're like, you know, an upgraded version of a, of a, of a fighter fighting another guy who, who's essentially aging, who people think maybe is is there for the taking, even though he's the one with the undefeated record and, you know, the 100% KO ratio there. I think people are looking at the Bivol Peterbia fight as, as being Bivol the slight favourite to, to, to win that fight early on. But I think Bivol certainly got the skills and abilities and he's shown us that to, to, to give Peterbiev a different puzzle to solve. And it's a fight that we really, really need to see in the light heavyweight division. You know, like you've mentioned earlier about it being one of those poor divisions and, and a lackluster of talent in those divisions. And With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, you're correct. I I agree. And and I think it needs a marquee fight to, to really reignite it so that you're going to get more interest within that division. And until that fight happens it's going to be one of those divisions where it's just got one or two top guys in it, as you rightly pointed out earlier. But a future matchup between Baturbiev and Bivol is one that certainly whets my appetite. Again, very early on, if this fight was to happen, I'm talking about early predictions, maybe two years before the fact this happens. At this point in time, based on what we've seen out of both of them in recent fights, who would you go for? Without hesitation, Bivol. I think Bivol is younger and fresher, but I think he also just has that temperament and mindset that's going to deeply trouble uh, Better Beef. I think Better Beef is not going to enjoy fighting someone that's not going to allow Better Beef to dictate the terms of the fight. Very interesting. Early prediction. I think I see Bivol. I think when I spoke to Johnston a few weeks ago and was talking about Bivol's performance uh, uh, against Ramirez, I think when he... When he beat Canelo and then he beat Ramirez, respectively, I automatically thought of Bivol as being the the guy that's ahead of the rest in the light heavyweight division. And I'd put him ahead of Baturbiev at this point. I think although Baturbiev's got three of the four belts, Bivol has the other one. Not necessarily off accolades would I say Baturbiev is, is the overall better fighter. I think what Bivol has shown us is that 
he's got the skills to negate Baturbiev and what he has, but it's a case of the fight coming together and then them game plans being implemented on the night. And until that happens, it remains to be seen who is the truly best light heavyweight in this division. But it certainly makes for a, a potential barnstormer of a fight should it happen in the next 18 months. But overall, you know, I was I was really happy to see a good fight last night that was that was my big thing was I wasn't sure if this was going to be a really early blowout or whether you know it would actually go a few rounds but actually it went a lot further than what I thought it would I mean I was thinking this was going to be done within sort of five six rounds Johnson said it'd be done within five six rounds that was his prediction for the fight it went eight rounds only a couple more but I think the fact that Yard made it a competitive fight and whether that was because Baturbi ever allowed him to make it a competitive fight, it was a competitive one and it was enjoyable to watch and it got the crowd going and people enjoyed watching, you know, Anthony Yard's heart on his sleeve moment and, and his defining moment, as you said at the start of the show. And it, it was good, but it, it kind of made up for what was a really lacklustre card overall. And I said we were going to talk about the card, but I'm not going to focus too much on it because I just didn't enjoy it. I'll be totally honest, like... I looked through the fights going into it and I thought, well, you know, maybe there's a couple of, of, of fights there where actually, you know, these could be quite interesting. And I think the, uh, the Atama brothers was, was quite an interesting sell on there. You had the Franken brothers on there. You had the Atama brothers on there. And, and obviously one of the Atama brothers, Carol Atama, lost on his fight last night. He lost to his equals Valdo Moderna and got stopped within five rounds, which was a bit of a shock for, for most people. He's on another light heavyweight who's who's coming through and has now been derailed in his tracks. But his brother, Moses, finished his opponent within about three punches, within about, what, 15, 20 seconds of the first round. And you can't really make too much of, of that with a fighter, but, you know, it, it's kind of nice to sort of see the development of, of certain fighters on cards but it just wasn't an enjoyable card and even the sort of chief support for me which was Artem Dalakayin versus David Jimenez that wasn't I just didn't enjoy the fight I mean I might just be being a bit um people might be looking at me and thinking well why didn't you enjoy the fight I just didn't I just I genuinely just didn't it, it when you find yourself sort of starting to look at other things when you're trying to watch a fight whether it's your phone whether it's something else going on within your household at the time it, it, for me, it kind of indicates that the fight it, it isn't that much of an interesting fight if it doesn't capture your imagination to the point where you can't take your eyes off the screen. And, and I felt like that about a lot of what was going on on that card last night. And I don't know how it gets interpreted in the US, but it, it certainly raised a few points uh, off the back of the card itself last night. And there's one of them that I really wanted to talk to you about, Luke, and you might have seen me tweeting about it today. There was uh, a, a fellow YouTuber out there, uh, MC in the Ring, who, who captioned uh, one of the fighters' records and, and just couldn't kind of believe that the record was, you know, as, as bad as what it looks on paper. And this was Daryl Sharp. He, you know, he had seven wins on his record and 96 losses and, and one draw. And on paper, that looks absolutely horrendous. And I don't know how you interpret that. It's a bit of a different setup in the UK. So when you see fighters like that on UK cards, does it automatically make you think, oh my God, this is a terrible fighter? No, because I've been watching UK boxing for like 20 years. And this is like par for the course for UK fighters. I remember, I want to say I interviewed Jason Quigley like 10 years ago, maybe eight. We'll give me, we'll give myself the benefit of the doubt and say it was eight. And um, he was fighting a guy who was like 15, 105 and two. 
And that was like a, because like a lot of these guys I view in that position are veteran journeyman guys who are pretty good boxers who their whole income is just kind of fighting every two weeks. And they're not as worried about the outcome as they are being tough. I do think though, fighting opponents like that creates a temperament in UK fighters that allows some UK fighters to get beat when they shouldn't because they're not being developed with kind of fighters who have a more fierce mentality coming in to really take something. So I think that's why you see guys like Jay Harris fall short and some of these other fighters kind of lose right before they probably should have. It's an interesting conversation, this, because I know you speak to people that are within British boxing and, and, and maybe work for the British Boxing Board of Control or, you know, our licensed trainers and coaches. And, you know, they would wholeheartedly agree about the fact that journeymen are complete backbones of the UK boxing scene. And, and to a degree, they certainly are that. And I think what anybody coming into this this side of, of boxing, i.e. the media side, the, the YouTube inside, whichever sort of outlet you want to want to use to sort of project your opinions about boxing on I, I think sometimes there's a little bit of a lack of education on what a UK-based fighter does in terms of you know those guys go on the road practically every week or every fortnight as you just rightly pointed out and they are just essentially there to earn money to give the prospect fighter, the home fighter, rounds, uh, or as many rounds as they possibly can in the fight, to be able to then give them a bit of a building up of experience and confidence. And, and the one thing that you rightly pointed out about that was that the problem with that is there is a very fine line between how many journeymen do you let your prospect face before you move them on and giving them that level of experience that you feel maybe as their promoter and their manager that they actually need. It's a, it's a real fine line. Uh, but I've just seen it on social media and it just felt a little bit like maybe that it had been misinterpreted about why this guy's record was as, you know, seemingly look bad looking as, as what it is. But what they don't realise is, you know, someone like Daryl had only been stopped, what, three times in well over a 100 fights. And... He give Tommy Fletcher, the guy he was facing last night, who had won three of his first three fights, all three of his fights, I'm saying, by knockout as well. So he was going in there, and he was there to give this Tommy Fletcher rounds, who wasn't able to get rid of Daryl Sharp in the fight, which is seemingly what he needs to go and work on. Because when you're blowing away the first few guys on your resume, as a fighter, it's giving them that confidence that they think, well, actually, this is this is this is easy, you know, I can do this to most people, and what tends to happen is, the more of those type of fighters you put in that are not as durable than your Daryl Sharps, the more that that fighter, the prospect, gets this overconfidence about themselves in the ring, and then when they do come up against a legit fighter who will be there to not just survive and get paid, but actually to fight back and try and win the fight... Sometimes these fighters come up short. These UK prospects come up short. And you mentioned Jay Harris. There's There's been quite a few of them that this has happened to over the years. And I always talk about this a lot because I feel quite passionate about the fact that, you know, you've got to be so careful with that balance of, of giving these guys fighters at certain times rather than just padding the records out. And that's my problem with, with the promotion side of it is like if the promoter is trying to pad this record out and, and the manager's just allowing that to happen, then this fighter is going to come up short. There's, there's no question about it. They will come up short when the time is right. And then all this hype that they've been building around this particular fighter then just completely goes away. 
and what happens and the promoter just discards them like they're a piece of rubbish and it's a whole vicious cycle if it goes down that path so i know i'm kind of rambling on incessantly about it but it's quite a passionate thing for me as a uk fight fan and, and being involved in the media and seeing what goes on behind the scenes in reality i think sometimes people need to sort of think about and research what's going on behind the scenes before they sort of go out there and, and make them comments and i wasn't trying to dig the person out on social media i was just trying to educate them because i feel sometimes like with you lukey as well like i come to you to find out about maybe certain u.s prospects and get more information on them because i need to educate myself on them if i'm going to speak about them on a future show or if they come up against a uk fighter i need to know more about them i can't physically follow every single prospect that's coming out of all the different states in the US so it's it's very key that you know this type of information gets shared between one another rather than just sort of going out there and putting these statements out and not realizing that actually there's there's kind of more meat on the bone than what you think there is I mean I think it's just this is a reason why companies like top rank and really good companies don't bring those type of records to their cards because even if the fighter is capable of that a fight fan might look at it and go, this is preposterous. Whereas an 11 and 0 fighter who's fought very, very weak competition might actually be a worse fighter. The optics for the average person is they'd rather see an 11 0 record of a fighter. That's less talented than a nine and a hundred fighter because they feel more comfortable with that record. And I think that's kind of why we get a lot of what we get in the sport currently. So I wanted to use the last few minutes of the reaction show uh, just to lean on you. Like I said prior to recording this episode, I wanted to lean on you a little bit regarding the DAZN card last night. Uh, I didn't get the chance to actually watch the DAZN card, and this is why I'm leaning on you, Lukey, for this one to sort of talk us through the the fights. And, and I know what you said to me prior to recording this episode, but sort of for the context of people listening that may be tuned in or maybe might want to know about some of these fighters on that card last night, just have a little synopsis of what actually went down on the DAZN card. So um, you didn't really miss much. You missed Alexis Rocha beat a 38-year-old man that was a career lightweight moving up to welterweight who took the fight on five days' notice, was surprisingly timing him with a right hand way more than I would hope. And basically, Georgie Ashey, who is the older fighter, got brutally knocked out with a right hook that I felt a little uncomfortable about because he's 38, took the fight on short notice, and then people were celebrating it as a knockout of the year, which that also is kind of like the darker side of boxing. Like, there's a lot thrown at this guy that it was kind of heroic for him to save the card, and then people are immediately like, man, that was such a great knockout. Almost immediately, a photo surfaced of Terrence Crawford with Oscar De La Hoya and Bernard Hopkins yesterday. And it seems like we're getting Terrence Crawford versus Alexis Rocha, which no disrespect to Alexis Rocha, but I think at this point in Terrence Crawford's career, we're not very excited in seeing that fight. That's basically going to be a fight that kind of, we kind of, unless Alexis overperforms, we kind of know the outcome. On the undercard, Floyd Schofield, Kid Austin, went 10 professional rounds with Alberto Mercado. He's fought guys like Chris Colbert, a professional opponent. What we saw in this fight is if Kid Austin can't hurt his opponent, he's still a young guy and he's kind of, we're talking about Tommy Fletcher loading up all that stuff. That's the same story with Kid Austin, tons of power, but we're not seeing him think through the progression. He's a young kid that's asking a lot in life. He's calling out the big names. 
hopefully he stays at this tier until he can work on a few things. Because I think if they rush into those big fights that he's calling for, Keyshawn Davis, Devin Haney, those aren't advantageous. Uh, only other fighter that I would probably bring up for this would be Beck the Bully. Beck Demir, I can't pronounce his last name. He knocked out a former uh, Andre Ward sparring partner for the second Kovalev fight, Ulysses Sierra. Stopped him with a body shot. I think Beck the Bully is kind of a talented amateur who's going to be a limited pro because he just comes forward and he, he's going to get hit. He's very cocky and there's a limited ceiling, but he's always, there's always a chance that he'll get knocked out or he'll brutally knock out somebody else. So the final segment of this show before we call time on our reaction show for this week is during the show last night, the Perturbiev Yard show, there was an announcement of a fight that has been made no secret about. And that is Jake Paul and Tommy Fury face-to-face in the ring for the first time before their fight. Uh, Drama, fisticuffs, a lot of trash talk going on in the middle of the ring. Very much WWE-esque style in the middle of the ring there, before the Royal Rumble, ironically. And I'm just wondering, like, now this is finally happening, and we're not there yet, and we're not actually at the date and in the ring yet, because we know this could change. But the fight's been signed, it's happening in Saudi Arabia, and these two guys are finally getting it on in the ring, and there's a lot of speculation about how this fight may go down, and, you know, quickly as a as a UK fight fan, like, following Tommy Fury's career, he hasn't fought anybody yet, that's it, for me, he hasn't fought nobody, all of his fighters, uh, yes, they're all journeymen, a lot of them are Eastern Euro- European journeymen, and he hasn't fought anybody at a level where I feel Jake Paul's going to come to try and win. Like, we're talking about journeymen in this episode, and we're talking about the, the purposes of them. Jay Paul is going to come to win this fight. He really wants to win this fight. Tommy Fury needs to win this fight, because he's the one that's come from the fighting family. He's the one that's been brought up with boxing all his life. Jake Paul's a guy that's transitioned over from all the stuff that he's done as a as a youngster into his YouTube career, and now he's, his boxing career that he's established. He's going to come to win this fight. And I honestly think at this stage, like... I'm I'm not so sure that Tommy Fury can win this fight. I'm, even though he's got the boxing ability to do so, I'm just not so sure he's he's got the experience to fight somebody as unpredictable uh, as a Jake Paul. Albeit he might be limited, but I think he's unpredictable, and I think he'll bring something that Tommy Fury will have never seen before. Even in all the sparring sessions he'll have done, I don't think he'll have seen what Jake Paul's got to offer. Jake Paul's going to win this fight, and he's fought the better competition. And it's as simple as that. That is as simple as that. I think, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think it is. I think it is as simple as that. I think we're going to find out on the twenty sixth of February. Hopefully, the fight does go through. How many times have we said this about this fight before? But it is certainly bringing a little bit of attention to the boxing world. Tommy Fury needs to win it. Jake Paul. Everybody's waiting for him to fail. So for him, there's really no pressure on him to win this fight at all. It's all on Fury and his family have said they'll disown him if he doesn't win this fight. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It's uh, it's interesting. It's very interesting. In it's the a- fight capital of the world, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yes. Everything seems to be going over there, doesn't it? It's, um, the only it be- rule is don't ask about any human rights violations. <laughs> Just talk about how the fighters get paid and how you get great meals. That's it. That's it. You've got to keep it shtum. Otherwise, you're subjected to their rules and their regulations. We're different conversation for a, definitely a different podcast. But that's it for 
us, Lukey, that's it for our reaction show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for kindly coming on, stepping in, doing the uh, the housekeeping for it. And big thank you to everybody listening to the show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of BTR Boxing Podcast, the big fight reaction. Please check us out on the Darker Side of Boxing Podcast. We've got the latest episode, which is out very shortly, which is the story of Duke Kim and Ray Boom Boom Mancini, a death in the ring, a tragic tale. Please make sure you follow us on there and across social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Big thank you to the patrons as well of Patreon on their membership service. Your episode, Boxing Through the Decades, 1940 to 1949, is also now available. Thank you so much, guys, for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. Recording stopped. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.